كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك الغافلون وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد ابد الابدين يا رب العالمين of course after listening to poetry with such an high echo after hearing a voice like mine people would be slightly distracted of course i can hear people talking in the back as well if you'd pay attention i would want everyone's attention 50 beliefs essential beliefs of a muslim was advertised as my lecture and here we have a gathering in remembrance of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam 50 essential beliefs why 50 essential beliefs because when i was contacted to attend this gathering and i tend not to attend gatherings where we have more nakhwan than ulama I tend not to do that because most of the mindset of the people is distracted they don't come to learn We saw that in the Manchester North Mayfield where a man was dancing like a crazy man and then the Wahhabis made videos of that and stereotyped all of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah as conducting gatherings as such is this not the case this is what we have seen up and down the country so when i was contacted regarding this i said 50 essential beliefs which are essential on every muslim to know and if a muslim does not know those 50 essential beliefs they will fall into a identity crisis the like of which you witnessed on bbc in the documentary on bbc muslims like us how many of you saw that documentary put your hands up some people are too shy to place their hands up but many people did observe that documentary and in that documentary you had only two narratives one narrative was the narrative of, of nine people residents in that house and the other narrative was one individual in the house when they were asked regarding simple things those things which are ma'lum fi din bi darura known in religion by necessity the nine residents of that household were unable to state the islamic position regarding those things which are known in religion by necessity why were they unable to say this for instance when one of them stood up in the house and he said that i am a homosexual and when he said not only is he a homosexual he said homosexuality is halal in islam how many of those muslims 
in that house were able to stand up to him and say that homosexuality is not halal in Islam, it is haram prohibited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None. The one who did was a person who was pro-ISIS. Why was this done? Pay attention to this. The reason why this was done was to brainwash the masses into thinking that there are only two narratives. One narrative is the extreme narrative of ISIS and the other narrative is that of those liberal wishy-washy lefty people who claim that homosexuality is halal permissible in Islam. When in reality we all know it is known in religion by necessity that homosexuality is haram in Islam and the one who says it is halal is a kafir is a person who is out the fold of Islam. But why were those people unable to stake this? The reason being that they do not know their beliefs, they do not know their creed, and if they do know their creed, they are blind following. They are victims of blind conformity. This is why the ulama have said, it is impermissible for an individual to blind follow in creed, to only believe because his parents were Muslim. No. He must know why he believes. Apart from knowing what he believes, he must know why he believes. So 50 essential beliefs are those things which are essential upon every Muslim to know. 20 things which are necessary for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 20 things which are necessary for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 20 things which are impossible, mustahil for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One thing which is permissible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Four things which are necessary for prophets alayhimu salam. Four things which are impossible for prophets alayhimu salam. And one thing which is permissible for prophets alayhimu salatu salam. Now, in total that makes how many points of creed? In total it makes 50 points of creed. So many people say, that I have spent years and years with my murshid, my peer. By the way, when they say this slogan, Sayyidi Murshidi, the word is Murshidi, not Murshadi. When you, when you say Sayyidi Murshidi, because if you say Murshadi, you are saying the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one being guided by you. You change the meaning. So at least say the slogans correctly. People may say that they spent 20 to 30 years with their peer. I challenge everyone here that if any one of you individuals stands up today and tells me those 50 points which you have learned from your peer in the past 20, 30 years, those 50 points I have mentioned, I will give you a hundred pound. The hall is full. Is anyone willing to stand up and point out those 50 points of creed which I have mentioned? Is there anyone? I will give you 100 pounds if you stand up and you mention those 50 points of creed. If there is no one, this should make us think that documentaries like Muslims like us will only continue and individuals like in that documentary, Muslims like us, will only continue to take those positions that they have if we stay in the state that we are in. That Islam is not just a religion 
that every year your peer sahib comes and you give a nazrana of 100 pound, 200 pound, you kiss his hand and you go home and your children are neglected. Throughout the year, you drive your taxi and your children are neglected. You are not checking what they are learning in college, what they are learning in university. So many youngsters today are learning A-level religious studies and philosophy. Their teachers ask them questions. If they are unable to answer, they end up losing their iman. They end up losing their faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they do not lose their iman, their iman becomes weak. And then we have young men and young women who because their iman has become weak, become victims to clubbing, to, to adultery, to drinking alcohol, to taking drugs. Why are they becoming victims of these things? Because their iman has become weak. Their faith has become weak. It is not only a seasonal thing that during the Mawlid season that we fill the masjid, we do not learn the names, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the attributes of the messengers Ali We do not learn the proof of our creed. Rather, we just sing praises and poetry and then we go home and for the rest of the year, we have neglected our children. We have not checked what they are learning in primary schools. After Trojan horse, what did they decide to do in schools after Trojan horse? They decided to teach young children, young children, younger than 11, to teach them that homosexuality is permissible, that homosexuality is something that is acceptable and no religion should reject this. This is what is being indoctrinated into our children. This is what is being inculcated into the minds of our children today. Yet, we have not paid any attention to the 50 beliefs which are essential upon every Muslim to know. Our minds have become so dumbed down that many times before I approach the pulpit, some of the brothers around me would have to tell me that you need to tone down your English because people do not even understand certain words. And the attention spans becomes even lower because we have only trained our minds to listen to poetry, but we have not trained our minds to listen to something which will make us think. Something that will make us do fikr. What is fikr? The thought process. Let's start covering what beliefs we should know regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What beliefs we should know regarding the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam. That if a non-Muslim asks us a question, why do you believe in Allah? Do you believe in Allah because you were born in a Muslim family? Or do you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you know the rational proofs regarding his existence? Which one of the two answers will we give? Will we give the answer that we, have, we know the rational proofs regarding the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If tomorrow our son comes home, remember not all of them will ask because when they go to college or university and they are bombarded with questions, they fear to go home or to go to the masjid to ask these questions because they think their father or their mother will tell them off and they will be told to leave the home. So what do they do? They do ibtanul kufr. What is ibtanul kufr? They hide their disbelief. They hide their disbelief. So they may in the month of Ramadan have suhoor with their parents. What we call seri. They will have suhoor with their parents. But when they go college and university, they will eat. And then they will do iftar at home pretending to be Muslims. 
Or they will go clubbing in the daytime. You know so many Muslims book out clubs today in the daytime so their parents do not know that they are clubbing in the day instead of going to club in the night. And when they are asked regarding belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they say we do not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their private conversations or on the internet. Why has this ailment become widespread? This ailment has only become widespread because we have not paid any attention to this. That if our child comes home and asks us, Father, what is the proof for the existence of Allah? How will you answer him? Are you able to answer him? Have you equipped yourself to answer him? Have you attended a course or a seminar where you are able to learn these things and answer those questions? With regard to the 20 attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you were in masjid, everyone learned Iman Mufassal and Iman Mujmal. What was Iman Mufassal and Iman Mujmal? Amantu Billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawmil akhiri wal qadri khayrihi wa sharrihi min Allah ta'ala wal ba'thi ba'd al-mawt. The first part, Amantu Billahi abadi min Allah. What are the attributes, divine attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? which are essential to learn and before I go through them I want to make a point regarding those who say it's difficult to learn Al-Imam Muhammad Al-Fadali What's his name Al-Imam? Muhammad Al-Fadali He was Shaykh Al-Azhar Every day from Giza in Egypt he would take a ride on a donkey and the donkey rider, the person who pulls the donkey would go with him from Giza all the way to Al-Azhar al-Sharif. On the way, Al-Imam Muhammad al-Fadali was the teacher of Al-Imam Ibrahim al-Bajuri rahimahullah. He would go through with him the issues of ilm al-kalam theology, deep theology. And the man was a simple person who would only pull a donkey. After eight years of the man pulling the donkey and Al-Imam Muhammad al-Fadali going every week with him to Al-Azhar, they say that man became an expert in ilmul kalam a simple man so do not say these things are difficult for us to memorize we do not understand these things because they are too complex to understand the first attribute of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is an obligation on every muslim to know is al-wujud what is the attribute al-wujud existence divine existence of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what is the proof for this attribute? The, attri the proof given by Imam Ibrahim al-Bajuri rahimahullah in al-Risala is wujudu hadhi al-makhluqat. The very existence of Creator points out to the wujud of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not mix up wujud in Mirpuri or in other languages when they say wujud, they mean wujud is a body. Do not mix it up. Jism is something else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have a, a body, a jism. The first divine attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-wujud. That we must believe in the divine existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Is there doubt in the is there doubt in Allah? The originator of the heavens and the earth. Meaning there is no doubt. There is no doubt in his existence. So if your child comes and asks you, 
How do you know Allah exists? How will you respond to Him? By saying the very existence points out to the existence of the Creator. The second attribute which is essential for every Muslim to know is Al-Qidam. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has pre-eternality. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always existed prior to the existence of creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always existed. And this is the meaning of huwa al-awwalu, wal-akhiru, wal-zahiru, wal-batinu. Huwa al-awwalu meaning al-qidam. The second attribute is al-qidam, pre-eternality. The third attribute, the third attribute is the attribute of al-baqa. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always remains. Al-Wujud, Al-Qidam, Al-Baqa. What is the third one? Al-Baqa. If you're finding it difficult to memorize, you have your smartphones, write them down on your smartphone. So many people have smartphone, write it down on your smartphone. Al-Wujud, Al-Qidam, Al-Baqa. The fourth attribute is the attribute of Al-Wahdaniyya. Oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. The fifth attribute is al-mukhalafatu lil-hawadith. Opposition to the contingent. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears no resemblance to creation. How many attributes have we covered? Five attributes. What are they? Al-wujud, al-qidam, al-baqa, al-wahdaniyya. Al-Mukhalafa lil-Hawadith The sixth attribute is Al-Qiyamu bin-Nafs That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is self-subsistent That He exists of Himself, He depends on no one How many attributes is this? Six attributes The seventh attribute is Al-Irada Divine Will That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills for things to exist The eighth attribute is Al-Ilm, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has divine knowledge. How many attributes? Eight. The ninth attribute is Al-Hayatu, divine life, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is living. The tenth, tenth attribute is Al-Kalam, divine speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has divine speech. The eleventh attribute is Al-Qudra, Divine power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many attributes are these? The twelfth attribute is as-sam'u, divine hearing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The thirteenth attribute is al-basar, divine sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many attributes is this in total? Thirteen attributes. Then we have an additional number of attributes. Are they 13 or 12 that we mentioned? 13. Then we have additional attributes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful. Meaning he has the attribute of power but he is also all powerful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all living. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all 
seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks with the divine speech. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is willing as divine will. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is alive, meaning the living. In total, how many attributes is this? 20 attributes in total. If you, if you go through from 1 to 20, there will be 20 attributes which are essential upon every Muslim to know. But the question is this. Once you have memorized these attributes, anyone can memorize these attributes wrote. Meaning wrote, say them from the top of his mind. Al-wujud, al-qidam, al-baqa, al-mukhalafa, lil-hawadis, al-qiyamu bin-nafs, al-wahdaniya. But it is essential on every Muslim also to know each attribute and know the proof behind each attribute. If he does not know the, the attribute and he does not know the proof of each attribute, what do the ulama say regarding this? They say, one group of scholars, which is Al-Imam Sunusi rahimahullah, in one position related from him in his Al-Kubra, in his book known as Umdatu Ahli Tawfiq wa Tasdeed, one position is that such a person remains a disbeliever. Why does he remain a disbeliever? Because he does not know the proof behind the divine attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The majority of the ulama say that such a person remains a believer, but he will remain sinful for not knowing what he should believe regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this should make us think that if the ulama have said that a person who does not know the divine attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he does not know the proof behind each attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then such a person is sinful and a minority of them have said he remains a disbeliever. This should make us think regarding our own faith. What does Al-Imam Ibrahim Al-Laqani rahimullah say? That a person who blind follows in faith, a person who blind follows in faith shall never cease being in doubt. Shall never cease being in doubt. Meaning such a person will always have doubt regarding his own iman. Then, the 20 things which are essential to know after these 20 are the opposites of the previous 20. So, the first one was existence. Divine existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The opposite would be non-existence. The next one is al-qidam. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the attribute of al-qidam. The opposite of this would be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can never be ascribed with being non-eternal. If someone says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not eternal, then they have ascribed an, an impossibility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the same way, the opposite to al-baqa, that if someone says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall perish, then they have ascribed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something which is impossible. In the same way, al-mukhalafatu lil hawadith, opposition to the contingent. If someone says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears resemblance to creation, then they have ascribed an enormity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is impossible. I'll give you one example. In the 1990s, if you remember, in the 1990s there was a time when some Hindus went with some milk to an idol 
and they placed the milk on the mouth of the idol and the idol absorbed the milk. How many of you remember this from the 1990s? Place your hands up. This occurred also in the UK that people went to the Hindu temples and they placed milk on the mouth of the idols and the idols absorbed the milk. How many people became doubtful regarding their Iman in Islam? So many. So many people said, look at this idol, the idol has absorbed the milk, therefore Hinduism must be true. But how would you refute such a claim? If someone had memorized the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would know the attribute of al-mukhalafatu lil-hawadith, opposition to the creation. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears no resemblance to the creation. Drinking milk doesn't make someone divine. Drink, even children drink milk. So even if the idol was absorbing the milk, it does not make Hinduism true. Later on it was discovered that the idol was only absorbing the milk because of the stone from which it was made. That the stone was such a stone that it was absorbing the milk. You can imagine when Al-Masih al-Dajjal appears, Al-Masih al-Dajjal will be a man. But Al-Masih al-Dajjal will claim to be God Almighty. He will perform miracles in front of people. And people will lose their Iman, their faith. Why? Because they would not know Tawheed. They would not know the monotheism of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will not know this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Mukhalafatu lil-Hawadith. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in opposition to the creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears no resemblance to creation. Then Al-Qiyamu bin Nafs. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is self-subsistent. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not rely on anyone. Not like this Rafidi belief. You know the Rawafidah, the Rawafid. They believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has something which they call the belief of Aqeedatul Bada, which means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changes his mind. Or they believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before, before disposing of the affairs of the universe must do so by conferring with the 12 Imams. This is a belief of the Rawafid, the 12 uh, sect. So the belief of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-qiyamu bin nafs, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is self-subsistent, that he depends on nothing in creation. The opposite to this would be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be dependent on something in creation. In the same way, al-wahdaniyah, which is oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The opposite to al-wahdaniyah would be plurality, al-ishraq billah, which is shirk. That if someone gives the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to someone in creation, they commit shirk. Which attributes, if they liken the that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to anyone in creation, or the divine attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to anyone in creation, or the divine actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to anyone in creation, they end up committing shirk, polytheism. So al-wahdaniyah is one of the attributes which is essential to know the opposite of which is plurality al-ishraq billah in the same way we have the divine attribute of al-qudra divine power the opposite to this would be 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becoming unable to do something. If someone says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unable to do something, he ends up committing kufr, disbelief. In the same way, al-irada, divine will. If someone negates divine will from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they ascribe to him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is coerced or forced to do something. Therefore, they end up committing disbelief. You can never say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was forced to do something. Now, let me correct something with so many uh, people who deliver lectures. They make this mistake when they quote the hadith. This hadith, when they quote the hadith, so many people, they end up misquoting this or misunderstanding this. That the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created was my light from his light. This part from his light, some people end up misinterpreting this as saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took out some physical light from his essence and created the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If someone ends up saying this, they commit shirk, polytheism. It is impermissible to say such things. What is the correct translation? The correct translation of the hadith would be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the light of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The meaning of min nurihi is that min here is min ibtida'iyah which means the starting of the creation of the light of the Messenger of Allah started at a particular point, meaning he was created at a point, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created his light. You cannot say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the light of the Messenger of Allah from his essence. To say so would be shirk. So many people end up committing this blunder on the member on the pulpit and people become unaware and they start saying this. Another common mistake people make is when they say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everywhere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everywhere. Allah Ta'ala kahaan hai to woh ghalti mein keh dete hain Allah Ta'ala har jagah mein maujood hai yeh kehna ghalat hai sahih ulaqida baat koon si hai ke hume kehna chahiye ke Allah Ta'ala zaman aur makan se paak hai Allah Ta'ala zaman aur makan se buzurgon se guzarish jwaab dhe pata chale ke aap sun rahe hain Allah Ta'ala Zaman or Makan Se Paak Hai Yeh Kehna Ke Allah Ta'ala Har Jagah Mein Maujood Hai Yeh Ghalat Hai Ghalat Loog Ghalat Femi Mein Ho Jate Hain Ke Woh Sochte Hain Ke Allah Ta'ala Zati Tore Per Har Jagah Maujood Hai Halanke Jho Kehte Hain Unki Murad Zada Tar Yehi Hoti Hai Ke Allah Ta'ala Hume Dekh Raha Hai Allah Ta'ala Ki Kudrat Har Jagah Mein Unka Murad Yehi Hota Hai لیکن صحیح بات کہنا کونسی ہے کہ اللہ تعالیٰ مکان اور زمان سے پاک ہے so whenever people ask where is Allah the correct answer should be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from time and place so like this the 20 attributes I have enumerated the opposites of those 20 attributes are impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be ascribed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in total, this makes how many attributes? 40. How? 
20 attributes and then their opposites making 40 things which for every Muslim is essential to know. Remember, why do I emphasize this thing so much? Because our situation in the UK is not the same as the situation of people in Pakistan. People in Pakistan, the people in the government are Muslims. The people in schools are Muslims. TV hosts like our good host here are Muslims. Imagine we have TV hosts like this on BBC, someone who can speak on creed and on the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the creed of our youth would be safe. Is this not the case? But what do we have? The problem we have living in a non-Muslim country, we are fighting an intellectual war. See, I'm very careful with my wording. We are fighting an intellectual war. This is a war for the mind. A war for the mind. And George Orwell, who represents Britishness the best. How many of you read 1984 in school and college? Put your hands up. I know this is low zells, but don't fall into the stereotype of this area. How many of you read George Orwell in school? We have a few hands. In 1984, he has, uh, in his novel, he places uh, thought crime and doublespeak. You have thought crime and doublespeak. Thought crime is, if someone thought in an intellectual way, he would be accused of terrorism. That is the war that we are fighting. And doublespeak was, if someone says war is peace, do you see the contradiction? War is peace. This is a contradiction. This is known as doublespeak. What we are fighting is an intellectual war. Places like Lozelles, places like Alamrak, places like Spakbrook are at the moment the vanguard of Islam in this country. That so many Muslims live in these inner city areas. Those young Muslims are being targeted now. But what's being targeted? They are not being assaulted physically. Their minds are being assaulted. What we are fighting is an intellectual war and the ulama need to wake up. The scholars who reside or the people claiming to be ulama in this country need to wake up. They need to wake up to the fact that the minds of the youth are being bombarded with different things now and we need to fight this intellectual war. We need to learn how to read and write and construct good and valid arguments to counter the propaganda against Islam. The propaganda which has been placed in the media, the propaganda in the newspapers, the propaganda on the television against Islam, a full-on assault on Islam from different quarters. The only people who are able to defend Islam are the ulama. So it is time that the ulama woke up and it is time the Sunni public also woke up in places like the Milad, the Mawlid of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That in gatherings such as this, we revive our minds that we realize that we are fighting an intellectual war in this country. And areas such as this and masajid such as this are the vanguard of Islam today. That we will defend Islam with our pens. We will defend Islam with our books. And we will defend Islam with our microphones. We are not mentioning rifles and guns and uh, weapons. No, the only weapons we have, our, the first weapon we have is our mind. And if you do not train your mind, people in Lozells, youngsters in Lozells, youngsters in Alamrak, if you fall for this thing that so many people bring out today, that you must live up to a street credit, or you must 
you must uh, be street or you must live like thugs. If you fall for that stupidity, then you are responsible for the downfall of Islam in the future generations. You have a responsibility that as a Muslim living in this country, if you fall for the, the tricks of the media where they portray these areas as violent areas when in reality if, you, if a white person was walking on the middle of Lozell's road in the night, it would be more safe than a Muslim walking in Salwar Kameez in uh, some of the white areas that we have in this country. This is a reality. These areas are very safe. That if you have a white individual walking through this area in the middle of the night, none of our youth will touch him. But if a Muslim with Salwar Kameez was walking in some of the white areas that we have, they will have their head kicked in. So don't fall into the media propaganda regarding these areas. No, you have to realize that you are the intellectual front for Islam. You are the vanguard of Islam. And it is an obligation upon you to learn regarding your religion. Wake up to this propaganda Islam today. Otherwise, what will be propagated as Islam today will be Muslims like us. These type of people would be, they would say these represent the majority of Muslims when in reality they are not Muslims and they are not like us. They are not Muslims and they are not like us. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve. I went over 40 points, there were 10 left. Inshallah, when I visit Lozell's Road Masjid again, we will cover those points some other time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a successful gathering.